I have some exciting news before we start. I just launched the Red Cheeks Academy with the first ever online workshop where you can learn about ethical production of intimate scenes. If you work with intimacy on screen in any capacity, this is for you. The workshop is for people who want to become intimacy coordinators. These can be cinematographers, producers, directors, or sex workers and performers who want to benefit from their experience. If this sounds interesting to you, head up to academy.redchicks.org to submit your application for one of the first sessions. And don't forget to check out the FAQ page with info about scholarships. Now, let's start with the podcast. This is Red Chicks, and I'm Isabella. Awesome. Actually, a lot of energy, though I, I apparently hear the sound a little bit sick. So, I don't know, maybe something is coming on me. <laughs> I oh, hope no, not. Fine. <laughs> yeah, better voice. I, I like when I'm getting sick because I'm like having proper, you know, oh, microphone that sexy, voice. Yeah. That sexy cold voice. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. Um, so, you are a man who lives, who enjoys cuckolding lifestyle. And you are a husband to Crystal, with whom I'm going to speak afterwards. Um, usually, on in the beginning of my podcast, I ask my guests about their background, like where, like where they are from, uh, what family, like how... Uh, in their family, uh, sexuality was treated or discussed or like any forms of uh, intimate relations that maybe they are comfortable talking about and they went through and they want to share it publicly on this podcast. Is there any background information that you are comfortable sharing with me here or not really? Yeah, no, I don't mind a bit. Um, I can give you a, a real quick background. Um, I was raised in a Catholic household and um, very, very stereotypical repressed, you know, repressed sexuality. We never discussed sex at home ever at all, yeah. period. Yeah. As far as I know, my mother is still a virgin. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yes. So very common, very common. Um, I, um, in I was married once before my uh, existing marriage, and it was an open marriage. It, uh, I, it's very hard to classify because it was kind of all over the place. It was um, in the very beginning when it opened up, my, um, my ex-wife actually cheated on me, and I was gone on a ski trip. And when I got home, she was just acting very strange. And it lasted for about two weeks. And finally, I'm like, what the heck? You know, you got to tell me what's going on. And so then she just broke down in tears and she made this, you know, just dramatic from the heart confession that she was so sorry about. And, and I felt like I was gut punched, you know, I was not at all expecting this. We had never had any discussions about anything like this. And, and so I, I started to feel this anger boiling up inside me, but oddly there was also an excitement that was growing up inside me. And I had never, I had no context for this whatsoever. I was like, what the heck is going on? And um, 
the next thing I knew, we were down on the kitchen floor just enjoying ourselves. And, and um, that kind of launched the whole thing. So we went through swinging. We went through kind of open relationship stuff. Um, I found we were married for almost 20 years. Um, and I found through those 20 years that I enjoyed watching her more than really participating myself. And so I was pretty keen on the fact that I was a voyeur. And this was about the time that I started discovering that there was such a thing as cuckolding. And I was like, okay, that sounds kind of good to me, you know? And so um, unfortunately the, the marriage dissolved. The reasons had nothing to do with um, cuckoldry or boyfriends or anything like that. It, it just it sort of run its course, I'd say. Um, but when I started dating again, I, I knew that there was a part of me that wanted to have a relationship like this. And so um, a lot of women, like you say, aren't aware of this kind of thing. And so I found myself in this, in this oscillating dating mode where either I was dating the naughty girls that were into this but didn't want to have any kind of a permanent relationship or I was dating the really nice girls that as soon as you brought it up, they would completely freak out like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> Uh, so that went on for, I don't know, five or six years, and I dated quite a bit. I like dating. I enjoy meeting girls and flirting and the whole thing. The experience is always real positive for me. Um, but then my uh, current wife, Crystal, who you'll, you'll be talking to next, ran a ad on Craigslist, of all places. And, uh, <laughs> I miss Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, Craigslist, if you remember that. And yeah, so yeah. She, she threw up an ad looking for a cuckold and, and uh, I just, I happened to see the ad and, and we, um, we met for a glass of wine like that night or the next night or something. And that was kind of the end of it. Neither one of us dated after that ex- except for each other exclusively and well, until she started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but you sort of knew from the beginning that she's looking for a cuckold, yes? That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so Crystal will be glad to tell you the rest of that yeah. story. Um, but yeah, she she put up an ad for a cuckold specifically looking for this kind of relationship. And you don't see a whole lot of ads of women no. looking for cuckolds. And so uh, I responded immediately and we just, we had chemistry from the very first time we met. And, and just to briefly uh, tell you how I understand cuckolding, because... As I mentioned earlier, I had no idea about cuckolding, yes? And so first thing, what do you do? You go to Google. So I did that. I Googled. And the Google doesn't give you the real, let's say, definition of it. Because Google says, well, the husband allows the wife to have other relationships. Or the other definition was that wife is cheating on the husband. And I guess this comes from uh, the history and how this uh, this type of, of cuckolding evolved through the history. Because from I remember from the book of David Lay, the Insu- Insu- I don't remember the title right now. Insatiable oh, wives. Yes, yes, exactly. He was describing their. Um, different uh, historical situations about infidelity, about cuckolding, about wife having multiple partners and saying that some cultures celebrate it. But later, 
through all the religion and Christianity and changes, I guess uh, the society adopted the monogamy as the one to go to. And so what I found out, it's cuckolding is where it's like a one-sided open relationship where the woman is having multiple partners and the man, usually the husband, uh, is faithful just to his wife. Yeah, would you true. would you add anything else to it? Are there different types of cuckolding, perhaps? Yeah, there certainly are. Um, in in fact, that's it's a really good question, Izzy, um, and something that Crystal and I both preach about quite a bit. That the there's as many different cuckolding re- kinds of cuckolding as there are cuckolding relationships, and we are very strong advocates of there is no right way. You know, it's something that each, just like every marriage is unique and every, every close relationship you've ever had in your life has unique things about it. And cuckolding is the same way that there's some people that, you know, very much enjoy the power aspect of it. There's some people that enjoy the, the denial, which is of course tied to power. There's, you know, there's, there's some men that are just, you know, for physical reasons are incapable of having sex. And so, them and their wives launch into relationships like this. And so, so yes, it's, it's something that's it, in one way, it's easy to define the wife messes around and the husband doesn't, <laughs> but, but it's a lot richer than that in exactly how it's practiced. And I, I, I'm a very, very strong believer that people that want to try some sort of ethical non-monogamy, this is, it, it's, it's a relationship mode that's good for some, but won't work for most. And, mm. and, and, uh, and even for it to work for you, you need to be in very close connection with your partner and talk about things and, oh, did that work for you? And, oh, that made me uncomfortable. And, you know, is it okay to have a romantic relationship or are we only going to have hookups? Is it, you know, uh, is humiliation? go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. And how is it for you and Crystal? Is it like, like part of, is humiliation pay, playing the uh, big part or what's, what's the form for you guys? Um, we, we use humiliation in our play uh, for sure. Um, I find it, um, yeah, boy, this is, this launches into a whole Catholic religious thing, but go, but go. I, 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 um, I personally find, um, the experience of humiliation somewhat fulfilling and, and I believe it kind of de-egoizes a lot of men. And as you, as you meet more men that are cuckolds, I think you'll find that most of us have some sort of high pressure management positions where a lot of people report to us. And, and there's a, a certain amount of stress that comes with that job and humiliation and power play that's present in cuckolding is a very common release mechanism for a lot of men that have sort of higher pressure jobs. I, everybody's got some pressure in their job, but mm-hmm. I think you'll find as you interview more cuckolds that, there's an awful lot of us that are in the executive suite or in some sort of positions of power. And it's nice to come home and just set all that down and kind of be put in your place, you know? Yeah. Mm. And so um, 
when did you discover this uh, love affair with humiliation? Oh, gosh. I think it's something that I really didn't experience much until Crystal and I got together and started practicing. And in my previous marriage, it was a lot more like what's commonly called hot wifing. And so, sorry, what's the difference then? Because I have heard that in cuckolding rela- lifestyle or relationship, the woman is called hot wife. The uh, well, the husband is cackled, um, and the partner is called bull. But then, what's the different difference between hot wifing and cackolding? So I'll tell you what I think the differences are. But yeah, once again, there will be other opinions of this. Um, so kind of at the two, the two ends of the cackolding sort of power spectrum is this relationship that you oftentimes you'll hear it called stag vixen. And in that case, the husband is generally the dominant and he in quote marks makes his wife, you know, do sexual things that, that in truth they both like, but she's definitely the sub in the power structure. Okay. And he's, so he may make in quote marks, make his wife have sex with, you know, hot men or something. I don't know. But, but he's driving, he's driving the car, you know, and, and cuckolding is sort of the opposite end of that power spectrum where you have some sort of a female led power dynamic and the husband is subservient. And, and to me, that's sort of the difference between hot wifing and cuckolding. Although it's gotcha. Yeah. There's a lot, most people don't sit clear out at one end of the spectrum or the other. There's this, you know, and, and I think, I hope it's true with most hot wife relationships that, that the wife also has a say in it, you know, even okay. though when you're in the role play, there's not, but I would certainly hope that in the that, m- most cases, otherwise it's rape, right? And, yeah, and exactly. So, that you'd yeah. hope that it's consensual. So yeah. Yeah. yeah even, <laughs> and, but you know, and when you get into role playing modes, you know, people fall into things. And so it sounds non-consensual, you know, a lot of the things that my wife does to me would, you know, we always clear with our, with our prospective partners ahead of time, like, where's your boundary? Yeah. Because some of it can be uncomfortable if you're not familiar with it and kind of if you've role played before and, and this sort of thing. And, um, and so we've found that a lot of men that aren't really emotionally mature don't understand the dynamic. And then they, we get into some sort of a scene and, and, they're they're just shocked, you know, and caught off guard and not ready for it. And so we try to always have those kinds of open discussions too. But but going back to your question, to me the difference is the power dynamic. That that whether it's one one far end is the male leads the, the relationship, the other far end the female leads the relationship. And then most people are somewhere in between those two extremes. Okay. Well thank you very much. That's very clear uh separation or definition between those two because i really often have seen that it's cuckoldress slash hot wife okay is it one or the other is there a difference um and so going back to this uh, to humiliation so how how did you discover it what do you remember what was this first time when you're like 
hell that yes. works with this this is working with me yeah i don't know that the light just went on one day i i think some of it has to do with this catholic you know guilt background and of course you know for you to enjoy sexuality is sinful and so we should be punished for our enjoyment and there there's certainly is some nuances of that running around in my brain you know because you just you can't completely no matter how long i'm away from the church i can't separate the fact that i was with the church you know when i grew up and and in fact even this is a secret now even spent two years in a seminary and so, <laughs> so, so yeah so i was pretty deeply immersed in catholicism and certainly it brings it brings a lot of this emotional weight with it another one of my favorite authors is oscar wilde and he's been attributed to a quote that i've never found the primary source for so it's somewhat suspicious but he gets credit for it and i like the guy so i'm going to give him credit <laughs> so we go with this <laughs> yeah so he says everything we do is about sex except sex it's about power and and that's to me i immerse myself in this bath of power and you know the giving it all to my spouse and and kind of feeling the impact of her projecting her power is just you know it's it's remarkably satisfying for me and i in my previous um marriage i enjoyed watching her have fun and we used to go to a lot of parties and i always i always enjoyed seeing that she was enjoying herself which is an emotion now named as compersion but it wasn't until my current wife that i really experienced humiliation and power play and and we do some impact play which is you know like spanking and stuff like that and uh so it i would say it's only been in the last 6 years maybe 5 or 6 years and and it started light and then a little heavier and a little heavier and you know and we both uh, enjoyed the experience and how, what about jealousy because like she crystal she has sex with different people how yes it does excite you but what about jealousy and yeah let's start with this what about jealousy That's another really hard one to describe exactly. Um and sometimes I do feel a little pang of jealousy but somehow or another and I don't know why but uh, my brain has is wired toward this compersion compersion that when I see her having sex, good sex, it makes me happy. It gives me joy and I enjoy seeing it. and i don't feel the fear of loss or that you know crystals in my marriage is extremely solid and if i wasn't so certain that there's no way in hell she could ever find a better guy than me i probably wouldn't be able to experience cuckolding in the way i do because i don't have there's a little bit of a fear mechanism that's kind of going on there but it's it's like less than a roller coaster more than a merry-go-round okay <laughs> <laughs> so So I, I yeah there's a little fear there's a little bit of jealousy there but it's completely overwhelmed by other more positive feelings and I I wish I could tell you is what I did or what happened in my life that caused me to experience the same thing that most men experience in a very negative way so positively I don't really know 
if I was born that way and discovered it six years ago, or if six years ago I saw the light, or I, I don't know. It's yeah, just the way it is. I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that would be an amazing uh, if you would be able to say how and why. I think that would be an amazing advice for anyone out there because it's not only men, women, you know, like we experience jealousy too. And so, yeah, that, that will be one thing to figure out. I will be honest with you. I would love to know how to go about it. Believe that. me, I have spent a great deal of time trying to figure out what is it. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotional thought that goes into this. So it's, it's not that I haven't thought about it at all, but at the end of the day, I, I really can't say anything specific. And, I, you know, and so one of the things I fall back on, which is, a, it's weak, but I fall back on it, is I happen to enjoy, you know, large-breasted blonde women, okay? Nobody has ever asked me to explain why it is that I like large-breasted blonde women. Everybody just assumes. I'm going to ask. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, that's what I like, you know, and everybody seems to be very accepting that that's what I like without having to drill into it. Mm. And I feel the same way about this kind of, of relationship is that's what I like. And at the end of the day, is blonde any prettier than brunette? Well, I don't know that there's any absolute, you know, statement that can be made along that way, but there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that that's what I like. Yeah. It works for you. You feel good about this. And that's I it. Do. That's, I think that's an excellent comparison. I love it. <laughs> um, and it makes sense. I don't think that it's a weak thing that you fall onto when you're explaining jealousy or how it works, cuckolding works for you. I think it works. Um, and so how would you define or how do you and Crystal define within this relationship cheating? Oh, it would be if the other person wasn't aware. You know cheating. You know it. You do. I... Uh, and the number one thing is that her and I are very, very open. And anytime she's got a coffee date, she lets me know we have a shared calendar. So, you know, it's, it's completely, you know, exposed. We, we actually, it's, we kid about it, but it's part of the fun of the whole thing is, you know, we have a credit card that's the sugar baby card. And so if she's out, you know, if she gets a hotel room or buys drinks or anything like that, it's always on the sugar baby card and she teases me with it, you know, and so it's, it's, it's extremely open. And any time that she started seeing a guy that she didn't tell me about, that would be a very clear, you know, boundary that she had crossed. And, and then same thing for me, if I were to um, like go on a date with a woman or anything else, that would clearly cross a boundary that we've established in our relationship and it would be cheating. Mm. And so how um when when you when who is looking for a bull mostly it's her just because she'll put up with the nonsense more than me <laughs> <laughs> it's abs i'll tell you it's been an eye opener being a guy watching a woman trying to find a a dude to date because i think i'd be lesbian if i was a woman <laughs> i swear to god I, I, guys can be so obtuse and it's so difficult to find one that really wants to meet, doesn't just want to exchange pictures or, you know, 
Yeah. And so I got, I used to be more actively involved in looking for partners, um, but I just got so frustrated with the whole experience and, you know, and at the end of the day, she has to like the guy anyway. And so it really matters more what she thinks about him than what I do. You know, mm-hmm. so even when I was actively involved, mainly it was just screening the, the worst of them, you know, <laughs> and then we kind of typically try to go for a zoom meeting as quick as possible. Or if they're, if they're local here in town, we try to meet for coffee or, or a glass of wine or something within like a week or two of first contact. And, and so how, if it's in person, do you both go to this meeting or for example, crystal goes and you keep yourself further away, just watching how this arrangement looks like. And how many days do you have with? I would say, so it just, it, a lot of it depends on the availability of the bull. I probably go on half of the meet, meet and greets roughly. It just sort of depends on if I'm available or not. Um, but quite often she'll meet them alone. If I do go, I'm sitting right there next to her. I'm not across the bar or watching her or anything if, if you know and the bull will know that I'm going to be there so he's not surprised or anything so I would say about half the time I go and how um, quickly do you mention uh, to the potential bull the relationships that relationship that you two have is it uh, up front but like our the the um, I We're on a couple of different uh, dating websites and it's in all of our profiles. We're very clear that, you know, this is a cuckold relationship and, you know, we're looking, um, my wife really enjoys black men. And so that's usually in the, you know, that we're looking for a, a, a black man over 35 uh, to be a bull in a cuckold relationship. Mm. That's kind of the, mm. that's in, I think every uh, ad that we have out. And Okay. So, uh, You have a few meetings with the bull or potential bull. And what's then? What's after? How many meetings do you have and how it goes afterwards? Uh, Yeah, it just depends. Um, You know, the last couple of years of COVID has really driven the way we meet people. And and so I I think it's a bit of an aberration. My own experience with this, and and my wife and I talk about this quite a bit, is if something doesn't happen fairly soon, if you don't meet in real life, if you don't go have a glass of wine, and then within a week of that um, meet, like at the house or something, um, it's just not going to happen, you know, because these things usually it's just, I don't know, they've got a shelf life. And if you just keep texting back and forth or emailing back and forth or whatever, And it goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's just been my experience that it's less likely that it'll go anywhere. That any yeah. any bull that's out there that's you know really invested in this lifestyle will want to meet us as soon as he can mm. <laughs> in real life. He's not going to be putting you know making up excuses about why he can't have a glass of wine after work. And and that's the other thing that we've found in this lifestyle is there's a lot of um, married cheaters. And one of the giveaways is always, you know, they can't meet at night, they can't meet on weekends, you know, all the time that yeah. normally available people can meet, they can't meet. 
and so that's another point in the um, meeting in real life is we want to be sure this is somebody that's actually available, you know, for a relationship and not somebody that's just interested in texting back and forth. And do you want a bull to stay with you for longer or is it like just, let's say, one time and that's it? That's a great question. Um, there's certainly in my previous marriage when we saw guys, it was a little different. Um, but but we had a rule. We had a two-date rule, you know, that we'll, we'll sleep with him a couple of times and then that's it. We're done, okay. you know. Because I don't, because we didn't want to have any relationship develop. Now, Crystal uh, and I are looking for something more long-term and more connected now than what the old rules used to be. And so we are definitely looking for somebody that wants to be around for a long period of time. And our most, I would say the, the bulls that we've been most successful with, we had like about a one-year relationship with them. Okay. Okay, and how? What rules do you have with Crystal? Like, um, and how the rules were changing? Because I assume that in the beginning, when you both started looking for bulls, the rules, the boundaries were different, and they it it, it evolved through the time. Oh so, yeah, it's definitely evolved, and and it's something that we allow without guilt to evolve. That you know, it's no fair saying, "Well, you liked that last year. Why don't you like it this year?" You know, because yeah. people our test our taste change, and and when you meet somebody, there's some things that might be comfortable with them that wasn't comfortable with the last guy you were with. You know, it just things things change, and and I think you have to be open to change. In terms of the rules, oh boy, we've tried a lot of different things. Uh, gosh, um, I don't even know where where to start on that. Uh, I think at first we were very relationship averse. That when we first started talking about cuckolding way back, even before we were married, it was much more along the idea that you know she's gonna you know knock off some on the side every once in a while, but we don't ever want to get involved with any of these guys. It was it was just a a way for Crystal to have more sexual diversity. Um, but as time's gone on, you know, I think that both her and I have discovered that we have more fulfilling relationships with people we've known longer and get to know better. And um, at first, I was completely opposed in, to having sort of a power relationship with the bull. It was more almost like a a threesome almost. Um, but as time's gone on, I've, I've started to really enjoy being submissive to the bull also. And so my relationship to the bull has, has definitely evolved uh, as time's gone on. But once again, that depends on the bull. Some bulls just aren't very um, comfortable being around a very submissive man. And in that mm. case, I just kind of, you know, check it at the door and, you know, we do what we do, what we do best and, and do it another way. Yeah. So yeah. I would say it with the two of us, what's changed is our our wanting to be committed to a bull or have some kind of a long term relationship with the bull is definitely something that's changed on both of us. And as time's gone on, I've become more and more submissive to the bull, and and uh, that power dynamic has has really gone gone farther down the road than I would have ever thought when we first started. Mm -hmm. And like, 
I would like to understand a little bit more how the sex part looks like. Like, is the bull coming to your your house? Um, do you guys have a chat first or just jump into it? And like, <laughs> do they well, have... The answer to- is yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, all of it's happened. Be polite about it. Like, yeah, no, no. Like, how do you have sex? How do we have sex? We have sex the same way you do. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like how it looks. Like. Yeah, I know. It's you know what? There's no one way, Isabella. It's been a lot of different ways. I would say most of the time, um, we we meet somewhere else. We we just have a meet and greet and see if things are okay. And, and then there's usually some texting and some zoom meetings and so forth that go on that. And that's mostly between crystal and the bull. I get involved a little bit, but not too much. Um, and which frankly, I just, I don't have time to mess around with it. And so I don't, it's not that crystal's yeah. trying to do anything on the side. And Usually when I get home at night, she'll tell me about everything they talked about during the day and all this kind of stuff. There's never any secrets between us. But then generally um, the guy will come over and and then, you know, I'll make dinner and I, I love service. It's one of my languages of love. And so, you know, I'll I'll make the dinner and I'll, you know, serve it and, and all that kind of stuff. And then then they will, you know, start just flirting and doing what couples do. <laughs> and, and, uh, as often as not, we, end, we end up going up to the bedroom and, and having sex. And sometimes it's the two of them and then they'll invite me in, or sometimes the three of us will start from the beginning or, uh, once in a while, um, I'm, I'm excluded, you know, for some period of time to more drive me crazy than because they don't want me around. And so, uh, so it's all over the place. We we had one guy that was very dominant. That was a, a local bull that came by, and I hope I hope this doesn't embarrass you. But I mean, when he came in the yeah. door, he wanted me to hand him a drink and get down on my knees, and that was like the beginning of it, you know. <laughs> and so so he he wanted to establish that power dynamic from the second he came in the door, and so it started. We were off just like that, you know. And then other guys we've dated half a dozen times before we ended up in the bedroom together. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And so, um, how about your social circle? Do people like, are you open with your friends about cuckolding? No. Um, Crystal has one friend that's an old girlfriend, even before me that has always known about us. Uh, one vanilla friend. Uh, and other than that, none, no, nobody outside of the lifestyle knows about us. We do have other I lifestyle friends, but by lifestyle, I mean more just kink community people that we know that they're not necessarily cuckold couples, but we just know them from, you know, various groups that we've been involved with. We used to do a lot of impact play. We don't do it as much anymore. And so we met a lot of kinksters through some impact play groups that we used to go to. And And I think, you know, like from my experience, the kink communities are just more 
open to talk about different type of desire relationships and yeah. it's just much more relaxing it's like yeah we actually it was, this was kind of fun about just this last weekend we um went to the coast with some kink friends of ours and we don't play together but we enjoy play we all enjoy play but um anyway uh they they were in town about a month ago and we had a bowl over that night actually he was there for the whole weekend and they came by for breakfast and it was really it was a different experience you know because here's my wife and the bull and this couple that we go out with all the time and then me you know I'm there and it was <laughs> it was a you know I mean and they came by for breakfast they were in town and they were you know going to leave so they just stopped by we all had breakfast we talked for a couple hours and then they left you know and and it was it was different you know cuz here's my wife's lover having breakfast with us yeah, <laughs> with another yeah. couple you know but it was fun they're a great th- that particular couple is just they're great people and they really you know they're really fun and they were open and it just felt natural you know to have the five of us together for breakfast yeah yeah and so what like when it comes to mistakes because you know you live this li- lifestyle and i assume that you and crystal you probably went through like you met a lot of different bulls had different relationships with bulls and perhaps made some mistakes or encountered some strange situations and so if someone would be interested to enter this lifestyle what would you say they have to be careful about or what mistakes you have done and you can share them so others can avoid mistakes like this oh what a great question um yeah cuz i'm really good at making mistakes and so I've, but that's good that's good yeah well you know it happens i mean when you're out meeting people and you're doing new yeah. stuff and you have to be okay with wow that didn't work you know and just kind of laughing about it and saying okay we're never going to do that again you know <laughs> and so um i think there's a, there's one thing that i'd like to to just start with because i see this question come up in some of the cuckold forums that i follow is do not try to trick your wife into this there's so many of these forums where you read how do i get my wife to do this is the caption of the thread you know mm-hmm. and I absolutely and Crystal I know believes the same thing that the only way this ever works is through complete openness and complete honesty. And if if you think your partner's hiding something from you, that's what seeds jealousy and that's what will take away from that trust and it's only with complete trust in my mind that you can have a, a successful cuckold relationship. And so so when I see husbands writing into these forums how do i trick my wife into doing this you know that's the guy that if, if if he was a friend of mine i would say you should not be doing this you should just step away use it in your fantasies when you're in the shower in the morning go ahead and have your cuckold relationship but don't don't ever try to trick your wife into this because it will absolutely ruin any chance you have before it ever starts And so that would be my number one thing. And then number two is just a follow up behind that is uh Crystal and I talk and talk and talk. And and she has absolutely no fear of me picking up her phone and looking at it 
and going through any of her text messages or any any anything any communication that she has with any guy she is completely open now the fact is i usually don't go through it just because i i don't want to yeah. be bothered by the nonsense <laughs> of a lot of it and and it's just you know she's texting back and forth for hours and i'm not going to read through all that crap i know you know yeah. <laughs> So, but it's, but there is absolutely nothing, no emails, no, no meetings, no, no, you know, nothing communication wise that she's not wide open to me sharing with her. And, and we, you know, we enjoy talking about our relationship. We're both big John Gotti fans and we read a lot about just how, how can we make our relationship better and how does cuckolding play a part in making our relationship better? Because at the end of the day, this is something that she will agree with when you uh, interview her, even though we have had some bad um, encounters with some guys that didn't go very well, we have never had an encounter that didn't enrich our relationship. And as long as, Crystal and my relationship is being rewarded through these other activities. It's a lot less consequential that we have a bad meeting with somebody because after the bad meeting, her and I get together and we're like, Whoa, what happened there? And we gives us a chance to know more about each other. And so, um, yes, we've had encounters that weren't, you know, penthouse forum quality, but we have never had an encounter that didn't help our relationship. And, and if cuckolding ever started to cause any damage in our relationship at all, both of us would step away from it, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think this is really, I really like how you talk about this. Because as you mentioned it in the beginning, it may work uh, for some people, but it may not work for everyone. And what seems to me like through entire conversation that we had, the things that you described in this short period of time, the conversation, the honesty that comes from the conversation between you and Crystal is fantastic. And I think regardless the type of the relationship a person decides to get into, people need to remember that the conversation is like a core of the good and honest relationship because yeah. otherwise if we don't talk how like we cannot read another person's mind like that is impossible or unless you have some spiritual you know gifted skills then yeah, yeah. sure but you know 99 of people don't and um yeah so. no this relate this this mode of relationship is absolutely not for everybody and crystal and i both said it's probably 90 of the people it would be a catastrophe for them. You know, it's just not right for everybody. And we have never tried to say that or impose our beliefs on anybody. But we do believe that for the right couples, it, this is magic. This is, you know, this is just a home run for both her and I. And we couldn't visualize any other kind of relationship between the two of us. Beautiful. Well, Thank you very much for sharing the story and your feelings about cuckolding and how this enriched your life and your relationship that's really really awesome well thank you for letting me have the opportunity because we we both believe in it very much and we love any time that we have a platform to tell other people that hey check into it it might just work for you i have 
a lot of questions about cuckolding because you are first woman that I'm talking about cuckolding. Um, but I have also a different question with which I would like to start because okay. I came across uh, this information when I was reading through your blog post. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know a little bit more about you being Bunny for Playboy. Like, how was it? I just, oh. I need to ask this. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So many people, when they find out, because it's a thousand years ago, but many people are interested in that. So I thought I'd throw up a little blog post and just sort of describe, because those are the questions that everyone always asks. But yes, my first real job uh, when I was, I just barely turned 21 was at the Denver Playboy Club. Uh, and for me, it was a good experience. I've recently watched the new Netflix documentary and it's very disturbing, but that has Which more one? to do. It's called, uh, I think the, the, it's a documentary. It's called The Girls Next Door, I think, but it's about all the scandal at Hugh Hefner's mansion and those girls that lived with him in the mansion. There was a lot of really awful things that went on there, but my experience was not that. I was just a young girl out of rural Colorado. Uh, I made a ton of money. Uh, I had a really good time. We were sort of treated like celebrities at that time. And, and I was there. For, and it was just fun. It was just fun. It was and fun. How, how long, what job did you do? And how long were you working there? Uh, so all, at that time, uh, there are no Playboy clubs anymore. But at that time, all the Playboy clubs were organized the same. Uh, they have different areas in the club. So they, it's a private membership club. Uh, you have a key card to get in. And then there's a gift shop there. And then in the Denver club, you could go into the, the first area, which was called the living room. And that's they had a stainless steel dance floor. And there's a buffet dinner. And it's just like a restaurant kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then on the end of that, was it was called the Playmate Bar. And all the last 12 months of Playmates were backlit across the bar, and they updated that, of course, uh, every month. And then the tail end of the Playmate bar was a bumper pool room. And then on the other end of the club, all the way down the hallway on the other end, was the penthouse. And that was a dinner showroom with a cover charge, name entertainment, and it's a dinner show. So those are the different areas that bunnies could select to work in. And you got to sort of pick uh, the girls that were more senior got. The penthouse was typically where the most money was made. So when you're first there, you figure out where's the big box and it was in the penthouse. So I was working in the penthouse and you're just a waitress. That's all. Bennies weren't anything but glorified waitress. That's all they are. Uh, It was just idealized and, um, you know, Playboy created this image, this bunny image and this whole culture around you know it was just it it was private exclusive and you know but we were just waitresses in little bunny outfits that's it there wasn't any more to it um while i was there during my tenure uh one of the one of my colleagues there was selected to be a playmate and so once that happens you go under contract with playboy international and they take you off and they do your shoot and blah 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 and you're on contract with them for years so she left the club before she left she said you should apply to get the bumper pool. There was one bunny that ran the bumper pool table at the back. And I go, 
hey, I'm doing really well in the penthouse. I can't imagine because it was a dollar a game to play a bunny, a little game of bumper pool, which I don't know if you know the game, but it's just a tiny little pool table with some bumpers in the middle and you have to bank all your shots. And it's a quick game. It's very quick. It's not like a regular pool game. So that's so I just believed her. And so I, I left the penthouse and went to the bumper pool table. Well, I learned a ton about men and ego during that time. And I made a boatload of money. So this is how that went. So I played so many games. Uh, they gave me a bag of 17 quarters at the, uh, why that number? I don't know. At the beginning of the night. And uh, you put for a dollar to bring the balls down. So bring the balls down, you get the ball set up and then you play the game. And so I played so many games that I could run the table in 60 seconds. Okay. Boop, 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 done. And I would wait for that first instant look at the man that I was playing with to get a read on his ego. Some men were hugely excited by the fact that they knew they could not beat me. And so they kept paying me to play, seeing if they could beat me. And that's, that was one guy. The other man got slightly annoyed and irritated. And so, of course, in that case, I let him beat me and he, he would play me over and over and over because I let him win. And um, so anyway, it was a good study in understanding the male, identifying and understanding the male ego right away, because, of course, I used it to my benefit. So I was making just so that you can put it in context. This is way back in the 70s. And I was making upwards of 1500 bucks a week in cash. Now you think about a dollar a game. So the way it, that way it really shook out is they would pay me three or four or five games, however many, and then typically tip me a hundred to $200 as a tip. So I just had to turn in, you know, that $17 back to the house at night. It was like 20 bucks or some small amount, anything over beyond that I could keep. I did. And so it was very fun and it was, it became really exciting when I, understood how to leverage femininity against the male ego and i used it against them basically <laughs> and they didn't care and they didn't care they all knew it and they didn't care <laughs> yeah so anyway it was fun it was fun yeah and i would like to hear more about uh, the fact that some men actually enjoyed that you were winning And they were like, well, some sort of humiliation, you know, like. Exactly. It, it could be because, you know, my husband's hardwired that way. You know, the more I can, you know, and our humiliation is, is not mean spirited. It's playful uh, and it's teasy like that. It's kind of like that. There are men that are hardwired that way that, you know, they come up against a strong or capable woman and they just sort of, ah, they just sort of melt. And so that was fun for them. It was fun for them to realize that there was no way in the world that they could beat me. And they just kept trying and trying and trying. And every time I beat them, they would have just a little bit more fun, you know, and the other guys were just the opposite. So, you know, I just gave them what they wanted. And ultimately I learned that's what my job at Playboy was is to just let them have a good time. Make yeah. sure that I, I was charming enough that everybody had a good time. It was not about winning or losing at all. It was about reading the person and making sure, to the best of my ability, they had fun. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really awesome. And I think that's really exciting experience to have. That's just, when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to ask about this. <laughs> and are you comfortable to telling me 
about your background. So I usually ask my guests, like, uh, where are they coming from? Like, what sort of family they were growing up in? And, you know, how was intimacy or sex treated in the family? And what sort of relationships uh, my guests had uh, in the past? Would you be able to share some? Sure, or- absolutely. So I came. Uh, I was grow. I grew up in um, in rural Colorado, sort of the Midwest part of the United States. Um, very, very conservative. Very traditional. Very conservative. All the way through high school. Then I went into college and started to get a bigger view of the world. There um, didn't know what I was going to do for a profession, but you know, I meandered here and there. Well, like most. Uh, women of my age and generation, you know, we all thought it was our job to just get married and settle down with a house and the picket fence and have some kids and like that. And, you know, I was on that program. And so I got married to a nice man and we had a, we had a child and things were going along. He traveled. uh, He actually, I I can't tell you, he, he traveled with a nationally known uh, rock artist uh, for a long time. So we were separated a lot, but more than that, we separated even when we were together. We ended up losing, you know, pretty much living separate lives. Um, and it was really super lonely. I never, ever wanted to get divorced because my family was divorced. And so I hung in there for a total of 15 years. But 10 of that 15, for all intents and purposes, we were celibate. And I started feeling like I was going to die. Like, this is the loneliest most isolated. I, I'd be much less lonely to just be single. And so we divorced. I divorced because of that. And, you know, we just couldn't figure out how to reconnect. Yeah. And the next, um, I relocated after that divorce and had to rebuild a business in another, <clears throat> in another area. And so I was sure that I would never, ever marry again. I just wasn't anything. And I thought marriage was the problem. I thought marriage mm-hmm is just not for me. I subsequently learned that it wasn't necessarily marriage that was evil for me. It was monogamy. If I could, if we would have had an open, honest relationship and I could have had a lover or two when he's out traveling on the road, I would have stayed married to him. That's just bottom line. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have anything like that. And there was no way he was going to be okay with that. And so that's where you go. Um, so in that intervening 10 years, I, I didn't really date. What I did do is I played around with being kind of a dominatrix just for fun. Mm-hmm. So those weren't relationships and they actually weren't sexual. They were just impact and power exchange and, and just fun stuff like that, uh, which I never took very seriously either. But by and by, I decided I wanted a little bit more of a relationship, although I didn't want to get married again. So I put up an ad in a, in a local I put up an ad. I did. And it was weird. And that's why I think so many people are asking me to podcast these days because I'm one of the very, very rare females that sought out a cuckolding relationship that I, uh, you know, I think there's probably at least a hundred or a thousand men that want this dynamic to women who are willing to do it. So I realized after the fact that I was, I was pretty rare. Anyway, responded. We got together for a drink. We had a ball. He asked me out the next night. And basically, we've been together ever since. We just clicked. So we came to the relationship with the understanding that if we were going to be in a relationship, 
he would be monogamous with me and I never would be again. So that's when I determined that it was mm. monogamy that was not workable for me, not marriage. And and how did you came across for the first time? Uh, can when can you came across uh, a, to hear about cuckolding lifestyle? Because you know, if you put the ad about like I'm looking for a man for cuckolding relationship, it's like you already probably knew a lot about this. And so well, I, I knew, I knew at least a, a cursive amount because I had been playing around in the uh, power exchange world, in the femdom world, you know, and all the categories of men that are, are submissive in one way or the other. You know, I was pretty conversant with that. What I liked about, so I'll, I'll tell you what sort of underlies my whole belief system in pretty much everything that I write and podcast about today, there's a famous psychologist from Belgium, Esther Perel. Yes. Uh, she she is a she's my favorite relationship expert, but I love her. She's, too. Yeah, she said something a, a long time ago and it resonated so deeply with me. She said every man and every woman has two core conflicting needs, the need for safety and security in relationships, and also the need for change and adventure. And how you reconcile those two needs will determine, A, if you can stay married, and B, how happy that marriage would be. And as I lit up, I said, she is so, so right on the money. And so I think before I even heard of Esther Perel, I knew that, that that particular thing that she teaches was right because that was my direct experience. Um, so cuckolding for us is, is our way of reconciling those two needs. Being monogamous with, I mean, my husband being monogamous with me is, uh, is, uh, is creates the safety in our relationship. Uh, I bring lovers to the table, so I bring the heat. He creates the safety. I bring the heat. We have, for us, we have perfectly addressed that conflicting need. I'm not saying that our way is for everybody, but I would say to everyone, whether your way is that way or some other way, you should consider what will you do to, to reconcile those two needs? Because most people, most human beings get into a relationship and they want to establish safety that they feel secure within that relationship. And some time later, maybe it's a year, maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years, but all of a sudden you get the wandering feet. Like what, I need a little bit more input. I need more excitement. I need, and then they either divorce or cheat. That's the, that is that, that is. So monogamy itself, at least in the United States has about a 78% failure rate. And it's because people don't know that this is the core question. We have to address both safety and adventure, and we have to find a way, some way, to integrate that into our relationship if we're going to stay together. That's my yeah. that's, and I very firmly believe that. Yeah, yeah. And look, I uh, well, I'm in a monogamous relationship, but I also read Estelle Estelle's books, and uh, I gave a lot of thoughts to this question, and. Mm -hmm. My partner I, and I, we were having a lot of discussion how this stability and safety in the relationship uh, can also give us freedom later on or right now, you know, how we can do it. For us, for example, it's uh, not in like freedom 
in sexuality, like in the way that we would have uh, open relationship, uh, but we find freedom in different ways. Yes, mm-hmm. but it, as again, it works for us. But as you said, and as your husband said, every single relationship, every person is different, and therefore there is different way of living the uh, being in the relationship, having yes. this relationship, yes. living this life. You know, it's every person yes. is a different way, and from what I gathered from your husband is that the conversations that you and him have, this profound honesty and built that trust for the both of you mm-hmm. and made it the relationship much stronger. Yes, we, uh, we have reached, and we both agree with this, we have reached a level of intimacy and closeness that in our opinion is not even possible for us, just for us in monogamy. It's not possible because why? Because integrating other, introducing other, uh, let's say men into the relationship with me, it forces us to communicate on much deeper level and about all the vulnerable hard stuff. It forces you to. And if you can navigate through that, that's where that profound intimacy comes from. And it's worth everything. For us, it's worth everything to get there. But you said something really key. This is for each person to find their own way because one way isn't right for, absolutely not right for everyone. But it also sounds like you on some level understood that core question of addressing safety and security and adventure and merging those two together. That's the only thing that I think is really important to everyone is just understand that that's the right question to be exploring and then find your own way, find your own solution from that. But understand that if you're only concerned about the safety of the relationship today, tomorrow, you may be thinking about adventure. And then what are you going to do? You know, so think about it now. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. And I think, you know, people get into a relationship and they think, hey, we got there. It's all good. We managed. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. getting into the relationship would be a hard part. No. <laughs> Sorry to break the scene, but right. the hard part is afterwards. <laughs> right. And it's just that's what I recognize too. Cause I, you know, when I was in the finance business, I was in the divorce market. So I'm yeah. very, very, very intimately familiar with the reasons that cause people to divorce. And I'm telling you, I w- I'm gonna venture to say. of the hundreds and hundreds of clients that I had in the finance field, getting into this question and addressing it in a realistic manner would have prevented a good number of those divorces. It would have prevented Mm -hmm. a good number Mm -hmm. because they think it's untenable. You know, I'm like I was, I'm lonely. I can't make him be with me more. I can't make him notice me. I can't. And I'm dying over here. So and you don't know any so better. So you don't know any better because our society does not teach an alternative to traditional marital monogamy. And that whole thing um, really is born out of religious tradition. Uh, most industrialized nations are have some sort of religious underpinning. Uh, in America, it's, it's traditional Christianity, you know, and Christianity uh, in its original form doesn't allow for anything but monogamy. Mm. I mean, if you take it out Mm. to, you know, they say you shouldn't, you should never be with anyone other than your 
spouse. And then the Catholics will take it one step further saying you should never even have sex unless yeah. it's to make a baby. Yeah. So, so understand that this relationship that we have embraced is, is going against everything that our society says we should be doing and should, and the way that we should be in a relationship. And we just reject that. We just yeah. do. You know, Crystal, I come to conclusion. It's like, cause I talk, with a lot of people in adult industry and now I'm broadening the spectrum of the podcast and I talk generally with people about pleasure. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I came to conclusion that the topics that are related to sex in any way, there's just people don't know how to talk about this and they're just right. afraid to talk about this. Yes. And, you know, therefore we don't know how to navigate relationships right. and you don't have pleasure. anything to compare with yeah, yeah. You, you have no if you can't talk about it you can't you can never come up with the right question or the right solution and Precisely. that's exactly that's exactly right you know in i know in america uh there's two things that are the two biggest causes of divorce money and sex and and those are the two hot button incredibly important issues that people can't talk about that will cause divorce. And so over all these generations, why haven't people figured out how to start talking to their kids mm. about relationships and sex and teach them how to work with money and being financial, you know, all those things are the things that come up, but to get comfortable with those connections and those types of conversations in the family You know, because we arrive into our adult years, we don't know anything about either one of those things. And so mm. we're just all over the board mm. trying to figure it out and then judging ourselves because maybe we want to do something that's just slightly, you know, off center. Yeah. And, and if uh, you are not comfortable answering the next question, I will totally understand. But you mentioned that from the first marriage you had a child. And did you explain... Uh, to your kid how how like the relationship that you have now and how do you speak with your kid about sex and pleasure that's a really good question so my my son i have one son he's very grown he has his own kids now and so we openly talk about everything now i have not shared with him that i cuckold my husband because i don't i think in some ways If it comes up in the conversation, we won't deny it, you know, because we're not going to be disingenuous. But the way I feel about privacy and our choice of lifestyle is I'm happy to discuss it with anybody that is, is genuinely curious or may be genuinely looking for an on-ramp for their own situation. Uh, but I don't want to burden people because I think it's a burden uh, for me to share things about our personal lives that would make people uncomfortable and want to avoid us. And so we don't, we don't talk about, I have one good friend uh, that lives near me and we talk about it very openly. She's known me for many, many years and uh, she knew me to not be monogamous when I was back in when I was single before I met my husband. So she's the only one. And again, like I said, if it would come up with other people, I'm happy to talk about it. Now, that being said, my husband still has a minor child. He, we are currently in the process of uh, getting custody of this child. And he's not a child child. He's 16. Uh, and we believe that he's old enough now to understand some of these adult concepts. And so 
once we, you know, we believe that we'll win this case, once he, we have custody and he lives with us, because we'll have him for two more years, we're going to have an open conversation with him. And the way we've decided to um, open that conversation with him is to explain to him that we're polyamorous, that we have, that we believe that human beings have unlimited capacity to love, that we do have other uh, relationships in our life and pretty much let it go with that. If he has questions, we'll answer them. But we felt like that was a gentle and healthy way to let him know that, you know, we haven't shared that with him prior to, cause his mother's head would, you know, yeah. spin off, but we absolutely, we're not going to alter our lives. I mean, we're very discreet and respectful to, to everyone, but if he's living here in this house, he's got to know that there will be people from time to time uh, in our home that, you know, we have relationships with. And yeah. so that's, that's how we, uh, that's how we plan to address it with him. That's awesome. And um, when I was researching uh, about cuckolding, because I, I have never heard about this, uh, as I mentioned also to your husband, when I spoke with him and, you know, when I, as a, I said, I, when I Google it, I was like, well, the terms do not match what this lifestyle is actually about. Like Google needs a proper update. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, porn, actually porn needs a proper update too, because yes. that's how most people find it. And it's very, very limited. It, it presents a very limited view yeah. of actually what's, yeah. what's possible with cuckolding. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that is a limited view. And I think people who created this, um, well, those films, those specific images about cuckolding, didn't really think that through, didn't really do proper research. And I really hope that whoever is listening to this podcast, that one day they will just take it as an inspiration and they will create really cool porn about cuckolding. That's the porn yeah, that I, really reflects yeah, we, this in more reality, know, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you totally. And that's part of my motivation to to write and broadcast and speak and do all that stuff is because we have found a particular type of intimacy and joy, like I said before, that I personally don't think it's even possible uh, in a monogamous relationship because it's forced us into much, much more profound conversations. And we've opted to take them on. Um, you know, that being said, I'm still not saying it's right for everyone, but it is a major lifestyle choice. It's, it's not going away. Consensual non-monogamy in many of its forms are, are becoming more and more mainstream. I would also offer to you and your listeners uh, a great place to get a really well-researched and really well-resourced um, book on basically on the nature of female desire, women's desire and cuckolding and the history of female desire and how how women have been uh, treated throughout history but also blowing up a lot of the myths like for instance like um, one of the huge myths that many people have is that men have a much higher sex drive absolutely not true <laughs> one of my no one of my favorite memes is uh 
men always think they want a lot of sex until they meet a woman who wants a lot of sex. <laughs> and then all bets are off. But anyway, uh, I highly, highly, and you'll find it all over my website. I mention it almost every time I podcast because I think it's such an important work and also in everything that I write. And it's Dr. David Lay's book, um, Insatiable Wives, Women Who Stray and the Men Who Love Them. That will give you everything you need to know in an accurate sense because he goes all the way back to record through yeah. recorded history not all societies were, have been monogamous not all societies are monogamous today you know and it just blows up a lot of misinformation and uh and wrong information that has been in the public you know the yeah. public domain for a lot of time and i highly for anybody that's actually interested in understanding the nature of human female sexuality and cuckolding and all these alternative lifestyles i highly recommend dr lay's book yeah i came actually came across uh, his book loved it i i listened to it didn't uh, have like a paper copy uh, but yeah it was like the information about the history like yeah. how how cuckolding evolved through the history was right. fascinating yeah, like I love listen to things like this to to learn things like this, and for me it was eye eye opening experience to listen to this book. Um, I think he did a great job on yeah. this book. I will link to it also, and yeah, please go because. I thought you wanted to say something. Oh, um, <laughs> well, no, I agree with you, and what I appreciated about it because I'm a I'm sort of a research geek myself. What I loved about it is that it's so well-researched and it's documented. It isn't another puff piece. It isn't another opinion piece. It isn't another, you know, here's what I think piece. It is, here are the facts, you know, separate out the facts from whatever your, your ideas are. And here are the actual facts, historical facts. And I think that helps people put it in a context that uh, lends a lot of credibility to it. So I'm perpetually pointing people to that book saying, learn something, try it on, see what you think, and then experiment from there. But at least learn what the what the truth is and not just fantasy, porn fantasy. Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, like people also should understand that porn is fantasy, you know, like it's not the source of proper information. So, But you'd be surprised yeah. how many people yeah. try and pattern their sex lives after I that know, I with know. not very good results. I so, know, you know, I know. I so know. that's the problem. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah. Um, from uh, what I gathered, you are the dominant part in the relationship. How your adventure or your love to domination started? Well, so we started on that on that way because I, w I was playing uh, as the dominant female just in play prior to meeting him. Um, and it was it's a natural it's a natural evolution so we are not we don't we don't play any kind of role or we don't have any kind of dynamic in our day-to-day -day life we're just normal people you know he goes to work i go to work we do our thing you know fix dinner talk to our kids you know we're just normal people but in our private life we like a little spice and so from time to time and it's actually it's not very often because i i find a very difficult time finding people that I'm attracted to. So when I do, 
you know, he gets really excited because all of that excites him. And, you know, we have them over and, and then we engage. And in that dynamic, when if that's when we explore, explore our dynamic is when we're, when, when we have a bull, when I have a lover, um, then, then my husband takes a submissive role. He is, uh, his thing is service. So, you know, he will show fur or he will cook for us or he will wait on us hand and foot. You know, he becomes the subservient male while that mm-hmm. bull is in uh, on the premises. And that's exciting for all three of us. And so he enjoys a certain amount of playful humiliation with that. Um, and for people to understand, you know, cause I get that question a lot. Why on earth would any man, a allow his wife to, you know, be with other men and B what the heck, why would he want to be humiliated? I mean, people find that highly, highly weird. And here's how I would explain it. Uh, my husband is a highly compensated executive and he sort of runs his whole world you know in his day-to-day work life he's in charge of everything and it's a lot of pressure uh and he yearns one of the things that creates balance in his mind and in his experience is to be able to set all that down in his personal life let somebody else be in charge it like releases him from all of that stress and all of that uh, pressure to be making all the decisions and what they've done is um you take you switch that around because uh, that's sort of like a vacation for him in his mind and it becomes a release and you eroticize you eroticize all of those feelings so Humiliation, basically, in really simple terms, is the things that someone would be sexually guilty about, sexual guilt. It transforms sexual guilt into erotic pleasure. What I mean by this is, let's say, like most men are criticized if they're not hyper-masculine. So when a a man uh, steps back and is willing to be like a servant to me and another man, you know, and you call him a little sissy boy or something like that. That's triggering sexual guilt because that's not supposed to be what any man wants to be able to be called. For somebody that understands erotic humiliation, they light up like a Christmas tree because it touches that that part that they would be humiliated about and it sets them free because they can eroticize it, play with it, you know, play around with it, and it takes all the negative charge, all the shame charge off that thing. Uh, And so it can be very, very healthy. And this is another reason why uh, the cuckold relationship can be far more intimate than any other, because there's a mechanism in there. And not all cuckolds like humiliation either, but many of them do. Many of them do. And for the ones that do, they have sort of figured out on some level that this is a way to wrangle with their own sexual shame. You can eroticize it uh, by playing with it and it becomes sexual pleasure. Mm. And do you ever get tired of being dominant one? Do I 
What was the question? Do you ever get tired of being dominant one? No, because I don't have to do it all the time. But if I, we do know couples that are in this dynamic um, 24-7, it would be exhausting to me. I, there's no way that either one of us would want to do it or could do it. You know, we have our lives that we're running. I, I run a business. He he has his career. And uh, yeah, we don't have time to be doing all that. But in play, we, you know, we can sort of set the scene and say, okay, here's what's going to happen this night and we'll do this and do that and do that. And then it's fun to play with it, but you know, it's just play. It's bliss play for us. And how do you define cheating? What would be cheating in a relation relationship for you guys? Cheating doesn't exist for us because what cheating is, is when one partner or the other or both recognizes that they have a need for adventure and they might be attracted to Susie Q over here or Bob at the office and they cheat. They go behind your, your partner's back and, you know, hook up with that person. That's unethical. Cheating is unethical, but because you're, you're lying to your partner uh, and that frequently will blow your relationship up when it's discovered or it makes you feel terrible about yourself along the way and oftentimes will lead to divorce. And so we don't lie about anything. Um, I share every single text message I get. I share every thought I have about it. That's part of our fun as we talk about this person or that person and what we like and what was fun over there and what we would like to do again and blah, 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 blah. There is no such thing as lying or hiding or cheating in consensual non-monogamy. There just is no place for it. Yeah. And I think, you know, being honest and do not lie to your partner's partner in general, like, like what sort of relationship are you having if you lying to each other? I mean, right. And you know, right. and it can start with little things, like in a lot of the families that I counseled in finance, uh, a lot of the women were hiding their spending. If the man was the major wage earner, a lot of women were lying and hiding you know, all of their bad shopping habits. And then they discover mm -hmm. later on, it's by the same token, uh, I've had cases where the husband dies, the woman had uh, relegated all of the responsibility for running the finances to the man. And she finds out after he's dead that he didn't know anything about that at all. He was too afraid to tell her that he didn't know what he was doing and he lost all their money. I mean, it's those are just instances outside That's of crazy. the sexual... Outside of the sexual realm, you know, you start cheating on that side, then you can cheat on this side, then you can cheat on this side, and then you lie on that side, and pretty soon you have a relationship that's not going to hold together. So no. there isn't any instance for any kind of hiding, lying, or cheating in a relationship if you plan to keep that relationship. There's no, there's yeah, no, totally. there's no, there's no consensus in it. Uh, and so if you find that you're lying or cheating about anything. If you plan to stay together in the relationship, you ought to have a hard look at that and find another way. Yeah, you have to rethink it. Have things. the courage. You have the courage and yeah. the vulnerability to open up those tough issues. You know, I'm attracted to Bob at the office. You know, how would you feel, you know, if I had a little fling with him? We'll talk mm -hmm. about it. You know, you won't know yeah. unless you talk about it. Yeah. But honor your partner's but wishes too. You yeah, know? exactly. And look, I think in, in many cases, you know, if, Someone comes just saying, like, I'm attracted to this other person in the office. How would you feel about if I, you know, have an adventure with that person, you have sex with this person? Um, you know, in a lot of people, if they are not used to having an honest conversation, it may just set them off. Like, 
but so as you say, like cheating starts with small things, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. lying starts mm-hmm. with small things. But yeah. honesty starts also with small things. Start yes. small and then build it up. And yes. perhaps when you went through a lot of different conversations in the relationship, you will have a moment where you will be like, "How would you feel if I have sex with this different person?" You know, like right. how 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 it would impact you and our our relationship. You know, but yeah, people. The conversation. I think it's. They're hard to have if you're not, if you don't have that level of intimacy, they're hard to start. But what's your alternative? What's your alternative? Are you going to just hide from your partner forever and be, and be, you know, silently miserable? Or are you willing to, you know, march into that? Then let's say your partner says, no, no, I could never, I can't do that. I would then start, I, you know, and I have counseled people, you know, start with some of Esther Perel's uh, TED Talks. Yeah. She opens up this question a lot. You know, why do happy people cheat? You know, she talks about this, this conflict extensively. And she, and she doesn't answer that question for anybody, but she puts people in the right question. So, okay, so you don't want me to, you know, get it on with Bob at the office. I have a, a need for more adventure in our relationship. How do you think we're going to yeah. add that? Yeah. What are your ideas? Yeah. You have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I would start with an expert source like Dr. David Lay or Esther Perel, and then talk about what you hear there. What did yeah. you see in that? What did you hear there that you can relate to? You have to build it. Um, these kind of relationships outside of uh, traditional monogamy require very high level uh, and very expert communication. And if yes. you're not practiced at that, you don't belong in these lifestyles. You have to build that first. You have to build yeah. that first. Yeah, yeah. I think I feel like for many different people, regardless their their relationship, it just takes a lot of courage, and yes. in some cases, really specialized person who can help them to start these conversations, to mm-hmm. start asking the right questions. And Crystal, going back to cuckolding, how do you choose? A bull. How, like, where <laughs> do you find them, and uh, how, how is the conversation? Uh, you know, my relationship, my my complex relationship with my husband is way, way, way easier than finding the right bull. I will say that uh, in the area that we live in. So, my particular, my my preferences. You know, we all have preferences yeah. of the kind of people that we're attracted to. My personal preferences are I like men who are younger than me, and in some cases considerably younger, A, because why? They're healthy and energetic, and that's a good thing. Second thing is, I'm highly to men of color. I like black men. You know, I'm not a racist. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a fascist. I just like black men. You know, my first boyfriend in my life was black, and I have dated interracially all my life and it's just a preference it's a preference so and in my area it's not highly diverse and so it's very difficult here it's very very difficult so the answer is doesn't happen very often mm-hmm. but do you use like different apps or uh, yeah we met yeah there's you know there are some uh, there are some websites that sort of cater to this you know this 
might find somebody online, you know, because we've been locked down with COVID, uh, yeah. not anybody very, I don't know anybody that's meeting in person these days. And so really online is your only option. We did go to um, a really fun, and this was a first experience for me. Uh, we were invited by some friends of ours to a, this giant, I mean, uh, keep in mind, this is after two years of COVID lockdown and being literally alone in this house that whole time. Uh, it was a, a swingers, a huge interracial swinger event, and it was a hotel takeover. So the event took over this entire hotel in a big city. There were like 1,500 people there. Wow. You know, and we're stepping into this arena like, you know, and it's just a it's a sexual free-for-all. Anything you can imagine doing, and there's all kinds of people, all ages, all races, uh, you know, that are obviously have identified themselves that they're there to, you know, enjoy yeah. each other. And so it was I was a little shell shocked because it was a lot for me to come out of yeah, isolation. After two and go, years of isolation. And, yeah, yeah, and going into an event. But it was a ball. Every night there was a different theme and we got to wear perfect sparkly dresses and prance around and preen and you know, it was as fun as could be. And the people were such quality people. I was so surprised. The people were intelligent and fun. A lot of people just like us, professional you know, educated people yeah. that were adventurous and just a ton of fun. So, so that's another way you can, you can sign up and go to some of these parties and experiment a little bit. Cause you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do there. You just figure yeah. out what you want to do and then go do it. There'll be a lot of people that will accommodate you. Yeah. Awesome. And what are certain boundaries and rules that you and your husband have when it comes to cuckolding, choosing bull and dating? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, our agreements between the two of us are fairly simple uh, and they're almost intuitive because we know each other very well. But, you know, our original, our original boundary that we set in the beginning is for this to work for me and my safety, he's to remain monogamous, meaning he's not going, we're not swingers. He's not going to be hooking up with other women. This is a one way only uh, swap thing here. <laughs> um, and for both of us, we both communicate with a prospective bull. If either one of us, we vet them pretty well. And if either one of us get any kind of a uh, negative uh, impulse from them, you know, we veto right away and we respect each other's, uh, we respect each other's opinion on that. So where the boundary issue becomes more involved is when we have engaged a bull. So we, the three of us need to sit down because the bull wants to know what kind of experience we like. What are some of the things that we like to do? What are his interests? Uh, and what does he like to do? And then somehow you have to take all that information and figure out how you might want to be together. Um, but even for people that we might be attracted to, it doesn't always work. For instance, there are a lot of bulls who really love submissive women. And that is not me. Um, so, you know, I need to make that really clear. Don't treat me like a sub. I'm not that. And it will have a, you'll have a really bad result. 
But if that's something that's highly important to the bull, then we're not the right couple for them because they're vetting us in the same way that we're vetting them. The, the goal is for everybody to say, this is what I'd really like to happen. Oh, yeah, that's compatible with what I'd really like to happen. And so let's go. Or I'm very strongly attached to this particular thing and we don't like that. We're probably not a match. So it's like that. So So my husband and I, you know, we only have that one rule and everything else we don't even have to discuss because we, we've been together a long time. We know each other very well. We know what each other likes and what we don't like. But we have to get very, very careful about the communication and the agreements when there's a bull involved because it's a three-way. Yeah. It's a three-way relationship, not a two-way. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, so, again, communication, you know, like mm -hmm. be open, yeah. honest, and understanding what do you actually like and who yeah. you are, yeah. you know, because yeah. if you don't know and you step into it, you may step into a very slippery slope. Yeah. No, you can. One of the, you know, one of the common things that comes up, um, you know, obviously I've, I've mentioned my husband enjoys humiliation. Well, one of the things that he enjoys Uh, if it's acceptable to the bull, is he will fluff, meaning he is willing to suck somebody's dick uh, to get them excited and ready for me, uh, and he will clean up after. Those are things that are very intimate, mm -hmm. very intimate. Not all bulls want to be touched even in a cursory way by another man. And so that's something we have to talk about right away because we don't have an agenda. We don't have to do anything. But if it's acceptable to the bull, some of those things, either my husband or I or both of us would enjoy. But those are the kind of things that you have to get specific permission for. Uh, and you'll really make a mistake if you go in assuming that everyone's going to be okay with that because they are not. No, never assume. No. There is a saying, if you assume you're making an S out of you and me. You and me, yes. yes. <laughs> right. Right. So make no assumptions when you're when yeah. you're engaging a new person. You have to talk about everything. Mm. You have to talk about what you like, mm. what you don't like, you know, what you expect from them. And hopefully you can find an intersection in there that will make it all work. Yeah. And so um, we talked a little bit about the conversation with the bull that you're mentioning right now. But what are other common mistakes? Just so people who would like to enter cuckolding lifestyle, they know what mistakes to avoid or what to watch out for? Well, as we know, the number one thing is to make sure that your communication with your partner is rock solid and always growing. You know, be willing to march into anything that you're hesitant to talk about because those are the things you should be talking about. Um, Some of the other things are to discuss, maybe even before you engage, you know, how involved do we want to be? For instance, many swing couples don't want to get emotionally involved with partners outside. And so some of them have roles like we will only see this couple or this guy, you know, two times because, you know, people are likely to catch feelings if we go more than that. Other people would like more involvement. You know, me, for instance, I don't want to get deeply involved necessarily, but I want, I'm, I'm demisexual, meaning I need to have connection or my libido doesn't work. So unless somebody's a little bit familiar and, uh, and willing to connect and willing to do more than just you know, jump on me, 
you know, I require more. And if they're not available for that, those are other, the other things that you need to find out right away. I'm looking for connection. If that's not what you want, we're not right for each other. Mm-hmm. And then recognize right away that still, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but a lot of men will lie. They'll say, oh, yeah, I want to connect. I want to connect. But mysteriously, they only ping you, you know, in the middle of the afternoon. Can I drop by or can I drop by or not? You know, they want to just drop by and do whatever. And, you know, those guys get eliminated for us right away. And so it's important to talk about what you want. I mean, are you and talk about with your partner, what happens if the woman gets involved? What happens if she starts to catch feelings for this bull? Um, What happens then? How will the husband feel? What are we going to do then? How will we identify it? What will be our response? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Where do we cut it off? And so those are like really important things because typically uh, if you are really attracted to someone and you have good chemistry with them and you have good experience with them and you see them multiple times or fairly often, you're going to get attached, you know, so (laughs) talk with your partner. Talk with your partner first about that so it doesn't catch you down the line and then you're panicked because something happened that you didn't count on. And how do you deal with this attachment to find the balance that it, to not get too attached? Because perhaps sometimes, I don't know, I'm guessing, yes. Uh, do you feel sometimes that you may fall in love or have too much of the feeling to a different person more than you have for your husband? Uh, for me, for me, that's not possible. Oh, because I'm very well aware of what it takes or what it has taken to build what we have. I'm not going to create that with somebody else on a on a once or twice. I mean, it's I don't see that as even possible. It happens to people; they get really involved, you know. And so that's a discussion with your partner. How would you feel if I fell in love with someone? It's actually a good discussion to have with the bull too. <clears throat> what happens if you find that you're getting involved? Mm-hmm. You know, what you're gonna, what's your response to that? So one of the things that, uh, that I've done recently is, um, you know, I explain to people that I am demisexual and that I need connection. Uh, and what that means to me is I need you to be able to be affectionate and connected and, focused on me when you're with me when you're not with me i don't care if you hump every girl in america it's of no concern to me so i'm not trying to put chains on you but when you're with me be with me all the way uh and some men can do that and some can't some men are just looking over your shoulder for the next conquest Mm. you know and i've got my heads up to that too and so i eliminate people for a lot of reasons and that's one of them but mm-hmm. once we can talk about that stuff and get it on the table and the bull says, yeah, that that's what I want too. Then we're, you know, then we're in business. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Crystal, this was really interesting and I really enjoyed our mm-hmm. conversations. Are there anything, uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um. No, I hope I hope your listeners benefit from it. I just started recently. I started a little coaching pro, uh, a little coaching program because so many people. I got inundated on Twitter and from my website of people asking me a million questions because I think there's a growing group of 
percentage of the population that is in fact trying to understand consensual non-monogamy. They're trying to find an on-ramp. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to talk to their partner. And they want somebody to talk to, especially a woman who has driven this dynamic. Lots of men like it. And, you know, frequently you'll see like even on the forums and stuff, men asking, how do I get my wife to do this? How do I, you know, how do I find a woman like you? How do I force my wife to do this? Those are the wrong, wrong, wrong questions. So anyway, I started a little coaching business for people that want personal, my personal help, you know, just based on my experience. I have eight years of hands-on experience. And if I can help anyone avoid cheating or divorce by helping them find a way you know, that's, that is a, that's a good purpose for me. Perfect. And um, I would like to link later to this website in the podcast notes. So if you can provide me with the link, that would be amazing. Yeah. I, I would send people to my uh, medium um, link. Can I, yes. can I uh, let's see, can I email it to you and yes. then you could add it that way? Perfect. Cause I don't have it on the top of my head, but Perfect. that, uh, yeah, that's a place that they can go and, and, check in on stuff and, and they can subscribe if they want. And your Twitter account also, if anything can Twitter, be yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll Perfect. send you the links to my stuff and then, then you can do, do Super. as you will with it. Super Crystal, thank you very much. It was lovely to talk to thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was, it was really fun. It's great. It's great fun to talk about it. So thank you very much for having me.